everybody. Welcome to Hebsey on Sports episode number. Jerry Kramer, Michael Granlund. He was the only NHLer I could <laughs> find. Jack Hacksaw Reynolds of the Rams. And Emilio Bonifacio. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Can you believe we did 64 episodes in 2018? Started in May. Today on the show, suppose you were from out of town and you wanted to buy a ticket to the game and they told you that out-of-towners aren't welcome here. That story coming up. Suppose Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens got voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Would you be okay with that if you were clean and never took drugs in your life and weren't even suspected of it and your head was the same size at the age of 21 as it was when you were 41? If you ran a hockey team and your two highest paid players weren't performing, would you call them out in the media? And if your team was playing the worst team in the world, the absolute dregs, would you rub it in if you scored just a little? Even if you were Canadian, would you do that? That plus the Maple Leafs, the Raptors, all the good stuff. But first, our trivia question brought to you by Panzer's Original Deli on Bathurst Street, just north of the 401. That's in Toronto, by the way, okay? If you didn't know that, <laughs> you shouldn't even be listening to this. That's right. It's a who am I question today. Ready? I'm ready. I was born in Hamilton, Ontario, and set a record in three different professional leagues for most penalty minutes in a season by a goalie. And I was the last goalie in the National Hockey League to play barefaced. Yes, without a mask. Who am I? Trivia brought to you by Pancho's Original Deli. By the time you hear this, I will have devoured an old-fashioned pastrami sandwich on rye with mustard, a beef knish smothered in gravy, coleslaw, and a high-calorie cream soda. Mm. Maybe two of them. Delish. Then I'll make my New Year's resolutions. And you know where I'm going to enjoy this fabulous meal, Mike? Pancho's Original Deli. Yes! In fact, I might just call ahead. I'm going to call Lauren at 416-636-1230. And then I'm going to drop by the restaurant at 3856 Bathurst Street, a couple blocks north of Wilson. If you decide to go, and I strongly advise that you do, and now's the best time of the year to it. Because, you know, when it's cold outside and when it's the party season, and it's still, it's the party season continues. Tonight's the big topper, right? New Year's Eve. Um, you got to order from Pantsers. Tell them Hebsey sent you, and they'll put you at the VIP table. I always get the VIP table. PantsersOriginalDeli.com. I like how this is the episode you decided to uh, clarify this is in Toronto. I like that extra detail, just well, in case. Just you know, in I, case. I figured that since Toronto Mike is my sidekick, <laughs> that people would catch on to that. Although there's a guy called Mike in Boston that writes media stuff, and he's not from Boston. He's not even from Boston. I believe he lived there at some point. He might have lived there. Yeah. But the reason is, is that he can't be Mike from Toronto, but that would be too close to Toronto Mike. My lawyers would be in touch with that's him. Like, well, yeah, that's a tough <laughs> one there. That's like in the Monty Python movie. Is, the, is it the People's Front of Judea or the Judean People's Front? Do you see? Do you remember that? <laughs> I it was a slight, you know, but still, could it be misinterpreted as something else? The Sports Hall of Fame of Canada or the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame? Anyway. I'm starting to wonder how much better the Toronto Raptors will be when, eventually, Kyle Lowry returns to the lineup. A bit concerned here. He's missed seven of the last eight games, and the Raptors have not looked good. However, they still lead the NBA in wins with 27 against just 11 losses. So your best player has been out for the last eight games, seven of the last eight. You're 27 and 11. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. They are percentage points behind first place Milwaukee in the East, and they're doing it without their all-star point guard. And, and let me tell you, as good as Fred Van Vliet and, and DeLon Wright have been, they're, they're not combined. They're not Kyle Lowry. Let's, let's make that clear. Toronto made it look very difficult, but managed to subdue the lowly Chicago Bulls last night at 95-89 at the Scotiabank uh, Gardens. <laughs> at the Gardens. Uh, 27-9 and for Kawhi Leonard. 20-12 and for Pascal Siakam. Mm. And the fun continues tomorrow, New Year's Day, when they host Utah, the Utah Jazz, which without a doubt is the worst nickname in the history of sports because it wasn't even their nickname. They didn't even have the originality to come up with their own nickname, the people of Utah, the people of Salt Lake City, the people of the, of the uh, surrounding Great Salt area. And could you Great imagine like a, a city less associated with jazz? None. There's one person I think that's a jazz <laughs> fan in you. I shouldn't. That's, that's, and he's that's, a tourist. It's not a nice thing to say because I don't want. I don't want to say that to just people. Just passing through. But still, that that team was the New Orleans Jazz for a few years, led by Pete Maravich. Uh, I don't even. I think they lasted uh, three years, four years, something like that in New Orleans, and then it was like it wasn't. It wasn't doing well. 
Right. And they moved to Utah, and they never changed their name. But like Calgary, the Flames is from the Civil War. But, but yeah. I, I know they wanted to change it to the Utah Stars. That was the name of the ABA team. And they were pretty successful, but they couldn't have that name, Stars. So they were like, well, if we can't have Stars, we may as well just keep Jazz. It's, folks, it's been 45 years, I think, since they've been there in Salt Lake City. Change the name. Change it. And get Stars with a Z at the end. Yeah, try something like that. Something a little bit different. So anyway, so they're, so they're hosting Utah New Year's Day. Then, listen to this. New Year's Day is Tuesday. This is a weird week, eh? Because we had Saturday, we had Sunday. Today's Monday, but it's a holiday for almost everybody because it's New Year's Eve day. Except us. Right. And then tomorrow's New Year's Day. So it's a, it's a four-day. It's sort of the opposite of the U.S. Thanksgiving. But they're getting it, too. But they don't get Boxing Day, do they, in the U.S.? No. You, but <laughs> you guys, every word's too weird. If someone was trying to figure out the differences between Canada and the U.S., all they would really say is the accent... And the weird different holidays. So they're playing San Antonio in San Antonio Thursday. Nice quick little trip there. And then in Milwaukee Saturday, yikes. Then they return home Sunday to play Indiana. So how's this for a back-to-back in Milwaukee? And then Indiana waiting for you the next day. And that, by the way, next Sunday's game is a 7.30 game. I'm going to that game. First thing I looked at was, wait a minute, 7.30 game? They played a 6 o'clock game last night. They played a 3 o'clock game a few weeks ago. Sunday's weird, wacky. Um... And the reason they're playing a 7.30 game is they need the rest because they're playing in Milwaukee, so they lose an hour behind. Um, so they're going to be tired. And I'm wondering if that'll be the first time this season that Kawhi Leonard plays back-to-back games in Milwaukee because he missed last time they were in Milwaukee and then home to Indiana. What do you think? Would you do that? If you're Nick Nurse, you go, you know, let's, good time to test them now. What'll be funny is that Lowry will come back and then they'll rest quite, because we don't, we never get to see them no, together No, no, anymore. no, no, we, no, that, no, the resting of Kawhi is pretty much over okay, now. Good. It's pretty much over, right? He's, he's proven that he can play many minutes. Yeah, but we, did we have that discussion? Who makes that call? Is it the team? You said it was a team, and then I heard somebody suggest it was but, actually uh, Leonard's people. I'll tell you this right now. There's no way Kawhi Leonard's going to beg off a game. There's right. no way he's going to say, I'm not playing. Right? Unless he is actually hurting. And he doesn't look like he's hurting the way I... Boy, he's, he's terrific. What a great player. But, but Lowry, though, is... This is the big question mark. He's 32. If he comes back too soon and gets hurt again, what happens? He's got back injuries. He's got quad injuries. The team is somewhat concerned. The team isn't saying, oh, yeah, he'll be back. He's day-to-day. We're all day-to-day, by the way, Mike. <laughs> That's right. We are right. all day-to-day. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> status report on human beings. Day-to-day. You don't know what's going to happen later. God forbid you slip in the shower, you get hit by a bus, whatever. God forbid, but we're all day to day. So, so Kyle That's Lowry's right. there, 32, not known as a quick healer, just not known as a guy who bounces back from injury, takes his time. You want him to be, which is fine. That's okay because you're 27 and 11. In the meantime, the rest of the squad playing beautifully. Uh, well, let's put it this way as a team, they're doing what they have to do for the most part. They, they seem to play down to this opponent. Like, I thought yeah. we'd win by 20 easy, but they, then- they can't shoot. No three. We need a three-point shooter on this team. Yes, relax. Oh, we're not going anywhere. Lowry can shoot the three. Okay, ah. For, he can shoot the three very, very well. He's a very good three-point shooter. But that's my my point here is that Mike, there's games like they shot thirty-seven percent against the Bulls and they won. Now, if I would have told you before any game the team's going to shoot thirty-seven percent, what's the chances of them winning the game? Very slim. Very slim. You're not going to shoot thirty-seven percent. The night before, a couple nights earlier against Orlando, they shot twenty-nine percent and lost and deserved to lose. But 37%, not good. And the three ball, like you say, has not been going in. Kawhi, one of six from distance yesterday. FVV, two of seven. Three for 12 overall in the game, which is not good. But the good thing is that he was 0 for 16 at one point. And he just kept, actually made a layup to break the streak. 0 for 16. In basketball, in baseball, whatever it is, Uh you're going to have those slumps. You're not hitting the ball or you're hitting it hard and it's not going, it's not falling in. Uh, And then... Same with basketball. You're making a good sh- shot. It's just it's not falling for you. And then and then two minutes later, you make a terrible shot, and it takes three bounces off the backboard, off the back rim, and it goes in. It counts. And it wasn't even your best shot. So it's that things have a way of working themselves out that way. Um, so Kyle and JV, when they come back, will turn this team into a well-oiled machine. But for now, and I know it's hard, a 27-11 and 11 record, a 7-11 winning percentage will just have to do. Like, it's just going to gonna have to do. They can't win every game. There's five good teams in the East. The Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, uh, Pacers, and Boston. Everybody's playing 600 ball or better. Every team. Something's got to give. Something's got to give somewhere, or you're just going to end up continue to pound on the bad teams. 
Can you remember a team in Toronto that would win 71% of their games, but would feel like you would feel like they've yet to reach their potential, like they've never really got it going? Like, that's how this Raptors team feels. Like, oh, I you, watch- mean, you mean like the Leafs? <laughs> well, you mean, like, you, mean, you mean like the Leafs, where the Leafs not 25 and 10 a couple of days ago? Yeah, I know, but well, aren't they not about the same record? Yeah. And what do you, how you feel about them? The difference is the Leafs, you know, in the playoffs are not going to get out of their division. They're, they're not. Who's, nobody's going to beat Tampa Bay this year. It's ridiculous. We're going to get to, let's get to that in a sec. Okay. Everyone's playing 600 ball. Those five teams I mentioned in the East, Milwaukee's now ahead by per, mere percentage points. The Raptors are going to get Milwaukee and Indiana back to back. The two teams that are, uh, they're sandwiched between in the uh, East. I mean, these are playoff previews. Like I said before, you got to learn to beat one of these teams four times. They can't beat Milwaukee so far. But they're not gonna, they wouldn't face Milwaukee until uh, the Eastern Conference final if things went according to oil. The Leafs do not have that, that particular luxury. Okay, let's get into the Leafs then. Let's do it. Can you really blame the backup goaltender in a <laughs> shutout loss? Can you really go, oh, God, he's letting those shots in through the five hole. Can you? Because the Leafs showed uh, not a lot of confidence in backup goalie Garrett Sparks because they grabbed uh, Michael Hutchinson from the... Florida Panthers the other day for a fifth-round pick. And, of course, I, like a smart-ass, went, what, was Andrew Raycroft not available? A lot of the folks on Twitter expressed their lack of confidence in the backup goalie, Mr. Sparks, to which I replied, who was the last backup goalie on the Leafs that you had confidence in? (laughs) Terry Sawchuck? Darren Poopa. (laughs) I didn't have that much confidence in Darren Poopa. With the exception of Curtis McElhaney. Remember him? He was 11-5-1 last year, and let's roll the dice. Let's leave him exposed. Let's, if he does, then Sparks, it wouldn't matter. Trust me, folks, it would not have mattered. If Curtis McElhaney was in net or Garrett Sparks, they lost to the Islanders at home. They got their asses handed to them. It made no difference. Wouldn't have mattered if all four goals were spectacular, highlight reel goals that Sparks or any other goalie had no chance on. It doesn't matter. He's a backup goalie. You got that? No Leaf backup goalie has gained the confidence of the coach or fans for decades. I'm telling you, not since Sawchuck. Not maybe Ken Reggett for like six weeks when Didn't Alan Paul Bester Van, uh, wasn't he backing up Grand Fear? For, yeah, uh, <laughs> n- n- I, don't, I don't think he was. I don't think he was the main backup. I think Poopa was the main backup, and Potvin played a couple of games, and then Potvin got the anyway. So listen to these names, and you okay. tell me which was the last time that one of these goalies inspired confidence in you, the fan, or the coaching staff. Because let's face it, the backup goalie is a necessary evil. James Reimer, Jonathan Bernier, Ben Scrivens, Jonas Gustafsson, J.S. Giger, Vesa Toskala, Martin Gerber. Right. Shall I stop? Andrew Raycroft, J.S. Aubert, Michael Telkvist, Trevor Kidd, Corey Schwab, Glenn Healy when he was 37 and 38 oh, right. years old, Marcel Cousineau, Don Beaupre, Damian Rhodes, Jeff Reese, Mark LaForest, Darren Pupa, Peter Ng. Should I go on? Man, this is like memory lane. Okay, so this. my point is this. The backup goalie never gets any respect. His teammates respect him. They understand how tough a job it is. Fans don't care. Got the backup in there? Hey, doesn't happen in any other sport. Any other sport. Right? If a guy is hurt, he doesn't play. If you're resting Kawhi, somebody else start. Not the same as the goaltender. Only, only, only in hockey. Do you think they, if you play back-to-back soccer matches, does the goalie take a break? The goalie plays both games. What the hell? But only in hockey. Oh, we got to get a backup. No, you don't. For years and years and years, the goalie played every game. Glenn Hall, 502 consecutive games in goal. Streak will never be broken. Ever. It's the most difficult streak to break. More difficult than Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. More difficult than Gretzky's 92 goals in a season. I don't care. No goalie will ever play 502 straight games. In those days, they played every single game. And they played back-to-back games. And they had to get on a train after the game. Not a plane. To get a train for a four-hour train ride. Bump, bump, bump. Woo-woo. You're playing again tomorrow, Hall. Oh, okay. And he threw up before every game, and he played 70 games a season every single season. Not now. McElhinney was 11-5-1 last year. Let's see, 11-5-16. 17. But Sparks' 17 record is pretty good, too, right? His record's yeah, pretty good. Six, six two and one Yeah. Yeah, it is. But, you know, the way people are talking. So, listen, coaches just don't like to play a backup goalie. Get this in your heads. They don't like it. They don't want to. It's a necessary evil. Whether it's Sparks or Hutchinson or whoever, he's just a stopgap until Freddie Anderson returns. And the Leafs are off until Thursday when they host Minnesota at 2 p.m. Why 2 p.m.? Kids are still on a break. It's the next-gen game. So the kids will be taking over Scotiabank. (laughs) By the way, the ticket prices do not change 
for a 2 p.m. game against the Minnesota Wild. They're still just as expensive. Okay, even though your kids are off school, Dad, Mom, take me to the game. you have any idea what it's going to cost you? So there are tickets available through the scalpers and the secondary ticket stuff, and we'll get into that. And by the way, if yeah. you're not from the Toronto area, you shouldn't be allowed to buy tickets to the Scotiabank Gardens, right? Because, God forbid, a bunch of people come from Minnesota on their holidays and start making more noise than the Leafs fans, which isn't really hard to do. What about somebody from uh, Saskatchewan? Can they buy tickets? Uh, no. Okay. No, 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 they can't. You've got to be from this particular area. Well, anyway, that's, that's, we'll talk about that story. Oh, wait, real quick. That's uh, it. We'll talk about that story because that's just, that's, that's like when Ottawa, that's like when the Senators tried to stop Leaf fans from buying tickets. Right. Anybody that wasn't from the 613 area code, like, could buy, as if people <laughs> well, from, as no, if people no from jerseys. Belleville or Kingston, right. like, as if, if you're from <laughs> Belleville, you, you've got to be an Ottawa fan versus a Leaf fan. That, that makes no sense to ban Leaf fans. How would you know? That they're Leaf fans. You can tell. You can tell. Uh, because he might you never come no, up again. No, but you can't tell by the postal code or the area code of the phone. That's my point. You're right. Uh, especially with cell phones now. You could fake it probably. Uh, real quick, because uh, he'll never come up again. I was in Ottawa watching the Senators at the Corral Center when Damian Rhodes scored a goal. Yes, I he did. I saw him score a goal. I Damian was there. Assisted by Lance Pitlick. Is that right? I can't remember yeah, that yeah, detail. Dame, well, actually, you know, Damian Rhodes and Ron Tugnut made a pretty good duo in Ottawa there in the Alfredson, Arvidsson, Yashin years, yeah, right? Yes, that's right. They did. No, they were okay because Ottawa fans didn't expect much because Ottawa was an expansion team at that time. You know, well, they still are. But I mean, Brad Marsh was an all-star. Brad Marsh was an all-star <laughs> on that team. Look, that team had some talent. They, they had some exciting hockey players on that team. Talent. They had a young Wade Redden, a young Chris Phillips, a young Lance Pitlick. Uh, young, I'm trying to think of their defense on that. Jason, oh, York, Jason York. Brian Berard? Was no, he there? Not no. yet. Not Jason yet. York was on that not team. Right? Anyway, um, so yeah, there's there's your backup goalie situation. So whoever's going to be between the pipes, if it's not Freddie Anderson, just cross your fingers and hope for the best. Now, uh, we had discussed Team Canada's 14-0 blowout win over Denmark on our last episode in the World Junior Hockey Championship. In the interim, on the show Hockey Night in Canada, during the Leafs-Islanders debacle, <laughs> Donald S. Cherry admonished Canada's Morgan Frost for cupping his glove up to his ear when he scored Canada's third goal late in the first period. Mike, what does cupping one's hand to one's ear mean, and would you consider it hot-dogging by young Mr. Frost? I feel like it because it was only 2 nothing when Frost scored his first goal in the juniors, and this is a big tournament, first game, 18,000 Canadian fans going nuts. I think that mild celebration was... A okay. If that had been the uh, I don't know the sixth goal or seventh goal or fourteenth goal, I'd be all over. I'd be right on the Don Cherry bus here, uh, admonishing uh, young uh, Morgan Frost. But uh, really, the, that was the third game, third goal. Sorry, third goal of the game. You didn't answer my question. <laughs> I I don't know what the cupping of the hand is. Don't give a, me that. Is that don't, a Hulk Hogan? Wait, thing? wait, 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 wait. Don't give me that. Right. Don't give me that. When a it, player, hey, yeah. when a player scores a goal, no matter what, when a player scores a goal, what does he do? Raises his arms or pumps his fist. If it's a really important goal, he jumps up against the glass if it's a home game, right? Right. What does cupping well, tell your me. hand to your... No, you tell me. Because that's why Cherry was upset. It had nothing to do with the score. You're missing, you're missing the point here completely, Mike. No, because... You're making it seem as if he... This, he did this when it was 8 nothing, and it was only 2 nothing. That's your whole, made that's it seem your whole like point. that was the 12th no, goal no, of the game. That's your whole point. Your whole point was that. Yeah. My point is this. What does cupping the hand to the ear mean? If I score, I've pumped my every other guy pumped his fist. Morgan Frost on his first goal, he scored the first goal of the game, pumped his fist. What is cupping the ear, the hand to the ear mean? I'm what sure kind of gesture is that? You're listening to the crowd cheer, like uh, no, it's, no, no. This is, you're you're giving me nonsense here. <laughs> That's why Cherry is mad at Morgan Frost. He's showing up the opposition with a move that Patrick Kane would do. If he scored his fourth goal of the game on the road to a booing crowd in St. Louis, he would cup his hand to his ear and go, I can't hear you, excuse me? Go back over all the highlights of every sport. When a player cups his hand to his ear, that is a show of disrespect. It's, oh, I don't hear you. Da -da -da. You don't do it at home. Your home crowd's already made noise. He cupped his hand to his ear when the, when the foghorn went off. That's the problem. If he pumps his fist, great, you're excited about yourself. But he cups his hand to his ear. That's showboating. That's hot dogging. And Cherry's right. 
Cherry, because I, I don't think you watched this Coach's Corner. I could tell you didn't watch it. I because, watched it. Uh, he, he made it very clear. No, that was no, no, no. You goal took game. that. No, you took that. You, oh, you, you, we all, we all know that you don't do that when it's 14 to nothing. Right. I saw all the goals. But a lot of the... I saw, the, I saw every single goal, and I saw the celebration that every player made when he scored that goal. After about eight, it got embarrassing. They didn't even raise their hands. Yeah. But Morgan Frost them. scored the first goal of the game and gave it the fist pump. Yeah, we got one nothing. all right? So it doesn't matter where it was in the game. He cupped his hand to his ear very briefly and smiled. That's not a celebration. That's showboating. Okay, uh, my regardless feeling, of the okay, score, so I, regardless I, I of the score, okay, it's showboating. Gotcha. I failed to uh, understand what the cupping of the ear meant to you, uh, you, you un- well, unwritten you code well, old school guys. I what had no you, idea. Well, what no, did you I, think it was? I thought it was a mild celebration of his goal. In, oh, uh, sir, in the you biggest did not. tournament you of his life. You did not. So hear me out. You did not. Hear me out. <laughs> I'm getting because I did tweet that I found it. I found it interesting. Don Cherry would uh, admonish the teenager for uh, his mild celebration after the third goal of that game. Don seemed to be suggesting two things. One is you don't cheer against Denmark because, of course, we, we're a way better team. And two, that Don seemed to be suggesting that was like a, a 12th goal of the game or something, no. according to the footage they showed when he was talking. Well, that's so the footage. Hey, I listen, got a lot of that, tweets saying you, you don't celebrate when you're the blowing pro- out the Denmark. Blame the producer. This uh, isn't celebrating. He's okay. not celebrating. It's too this, many unwritten this is what, rules. Don't, don't tell me unwritten rules, okay? You go back and look at every single highlight where a guy cupped his hand to his ear. He's looking at the crowd going, I, I don't hear you, uh, right? It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Okay, then let me ask you this. Why did Morgan do it? I'm, I'm not in his head. <laughs> well, I'm not to, in his head. You seem to know a lot about No, no, the, I know uh, about the cupping of the hands the in the ear. It's very different from lift, raising your arms or whatever. Very, very different. This is Don Cherry's quote. I mean, come on. We've got more class than that. Poor Denmark hasn't scored a goal and we do stuff like that. That's where you thought... It's, it, it, that he thought it was later in the game or whatever. You're making the point that it was only the Maybe third the producer's goal. fault. Uh, Shirelli's fault. Hockey gods will come back and get you every time, said Cherry. Lack of class? Or just a kid that's excited. He got excited and he didn't know what cupping the ear, to, to the hand to the ear meant. So he decided to put his hand up there, not, not celebrate, not fist bump, kind of go, yep, I don't hear anything. So you're all choked up too. Listen, uh, I th- I think that he was excited. He scored uh, a big goal in a big game, and th- only the third, so it hadn't got out of hand yet. Don't tell and me it was I a big goal. Excited. Don't tell me it was a big goal in a big game. Yeah, he scored was. the first goal. That of was the, the game. biggest goal. That, he scored that was the, the first, first goal game of the, the game. tournament. He scored the first goal of the game. Go back and look at what he did on his first goal. He didn't cup his hand to his ear. I don't hear you. So that's where I think Cherry got upset when he saw him do that. It's oh. sort of like thumbing your nose. I think it's a generational thing because I know that you for example you're big on chin music like uh, if, you know if a guy shows you up in baseball watches his home run you like yeah. it you like a, like a, a fastball around uh, just around uh, the high and tight like you're a big old school guy like that and I think this kind of falls into that category like the cupping of the ear is somehow you no Canadian player should ever cup their no, ear no I didn't say that no 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 I'm telling you this <clears throat> excuse me if the game were somewhere else if the game happened to be in um, oh I don't know let's say um uh, Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah, let's say the game was in Switzerland. We both went okay? there, and let's yeah. say all of the Danish fans were in Switzerland. They're cheering for their team, right? And they had just been hooting and hollering at Morgan Frost for a penalty or for something that happened. And then he scored a goal, and the place was silent. Then, then yeah. he can cup his hand to his ear and go, I don't hear you now. Do you get it? But other than that, you tell me because okay, you know about that's you. worse. Than go and ask your son. <laughs> What does cupping the hand to the ear mean? We'll ask him right after You think this. he's going to say, oh, it's like giving them the finger, Dad. Oh, right? It's not the same as going, yeah, fist bump. And it's not the same as lifting your stick up in the air and going, woo like that. It's not. It was a very odd-looking thing. And I, I believe, regardless of the score, Cherry went like that and says, we're better than that. Quite That's, the, uh, I will say this as a as a, a citizen of the Twitter sphere that yeah. this is quite the uh, polarizing moment. I've had more engagement from this incident than in a long time, oh, except telling people Damien Cox wasn't at Sportsnet. Other than that, <laughs> this is the most engagement in a long time. Not that I'm looking for engagement, but a lot of these people are like telling me like uh, I've obviously never played the game, and then a lot of people well, are saying Don Cherry's a dinosaur. Like there's yeah, these two yeah. camps. Yeah, but but I don't think Don Cherry was the only person to think that way, right? Now the end result, of course, exacerbated the 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 issue. Yes. Right. Yes. Had they only won nine nothing, they might not have gone back and looked at that. But I think if you look, go back and look at it, you go, that's kind of odd. 
for anyone to do that, regardless of what point of the game it was at, if it was the first goal or the 14th, it's just, I've never seen that. The last time I think I saw it was when John Tavar, no, uh, was it Tavar? Well, no, Austin no, Matthews. Austin Matthews, it, yeah. Austin Matthews and, and Patrick Kane. That, that's right. Where it's like, all right, back to you, back to you. That, that's okay. A couple of gunslingers are going at it. But man, you, you know, you just scored the third goal in the game and you're, you're at home already. So the fans are already making tons of noise. So you're okay with the celebration. You didn't like the handcuffing. That's what you didn't like. No. Okay. Because that to me is your... But you can celebrate a third goal of a game. Like the celebration's okay. Well, this, your normal celebration. Yeah, of course. But not, you can't do that normal celebration at like nine nothing. Well, well, no, the Canadian team did not do it. No, they didn't. They kind of, the guy, you know, kind of raised his hand. I'm just trying to keep sheep, track sheepishly. of all the rules. Okay, no, not so. rules. Sheepishly. That if you take a look, go back and look. Look at how the guys reacted. No, first, you're right. First four or five goals, ah, after about the sixth or seventh goal, subdued. Okay, so that's the line. Like, Especially I guess you, Contois you get, you get, you get four five, goals. and then you got to, like, turn it down. Like, no, I don't score, think so. then head back to the bench. and then. Uh, okay. Well, you tell me. You tell oh, yeah, yeah. Eight, I 10, would be 12, disappointed 14? if Canada were uh, celebrating like that at, you know, I don't know, seven, nothing, eight, nothing. Celebrating nine, like nothing. what? In any regard. Oh, like, I, th- I think you can maybe, maybe a little fist bump and you move on at like nine, nothing. A quick, quick little, quick little hand up. We to could the do year. an hour on quick this. little hand up to the year. <laughs> okay. Um, Denmark has allowed twenty-two goals in three games and have not scored a goal. They had a penalty shot. That was it. They don't deserve to play with the big boys, and neither does Kazakhstan, who lost eleven-two to Slovakia yesterday and have now allowed twenty-four goals in three games and scoring four goals on their own. What would happen if Kazakhstan played um, Denmark? <laughs> Kazakhstan and Denmark. Nobody would show up. <clears throat> None. Did you hear the story about uh, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn? I did. Do you not love it <clears throat> when an executive of a team, a coach, a general manager, an executive, an owner, a CEO, has a few drinks or something happens, right? Maybe you have a nicotine fit or they didn't, <laughs> put, you know, the low blood sugar. They're hungry. They're hungry. Something <laughs> like, they don't have a Snickers bar. So this is Jim Lights. Jim Lights is the CEO of the Dallas Stars. Let me give you a bit of background on Jim Lights. Jim Lights was a nobody, really. Um, and he married the daughter of Mike Illich, the owner of the Detroit um, Red Wings. So uh, Denise, I believe is her name. And uh, so he became, um, uh, she became Denise Illich Lights and her husband became uh, an executive of the Detroit Red Wings and moved his way up to Detroit Red Wings and eventually became um, the president of the Dallas Stars. So Jim Lights is having a meeting. They're having a meeting with the GM, Jim Nill, and others, and they're talking about the team's doing poorly and how are we going to change things and all that. And they're looking at some numbers. <clears throat> and the numbers are the leading scorers in the NHL over the last five years. And the third leading scorer is uh, Tyler Sagan. And the fifth is Jamie Benn. And these two guys just got big, big, big contracts. And they're, they're kind of talking about how, how they're going to uh, present this, you know, that they're not as effective as they were. And meanwhile, somebody... Um, and I don't know who it was, and I apologize. I think it was from The Athletic or The Atlantic or one of those, whatever it is. Uh, Jim Lights, the Dallas Star CEO, says, and I quote about Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, they are fucking horseshit. I don't know how else to put it. These guys were signed to big contracts because they were the third and sixth leading scorers in the league over the past five years. They got their money. We expect them to not be outplayed every game they play in. And if they were as good as they've been in the past, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Well, the mm, hit the hmm, of course. <laughs> Because you just don't talk like that about any player, whether he's your 40th best player or your coach that you just fired. You just don't talk about human beings like that, employees, right? But this is Jim Lights. What does he care? He's got all kinds of dough. Rich white guy, if you want to say that. Privileged, okay? So they end up beating, this was, I think, last Friday. They end up beating Detroit 5-1 to one at home. And then the next day, Sunday, they've got practice. And before the practice, the, star, the uh, Jim Nill, the general manager of the Stars, um, met with the media. And he says this. He says, first of all, the hockey message that Jim Lights gave was, a, was dead on. The message was dead on. Um, the message had to get out there. We've all got to get better from the top, from management to coaches to players all the way down. So the message is right. I've talked to Jim. I don't condone the language or the tone. He's emotional. He wears the star on his heart and he gets emotional and understandably. So I don't condone that. But the message that was sent from him and management, I think, was dead on correct. And I agree with all of that. So, Mike, I ask you this. If I took out the effing horse bleep part of it and just changed it to they are not very good players at all, I don't know how else to put it. Do you think that would make a difference? The language? No, no. no. I don't think so either. That was liquid courage, I think. Uh, yeah. That's the only thing well, or something that. like that. But anyway, <laughs> so this is Neil going into damage control. 
So and he met with both Ben and Sagan uh, on Sunday before practice. But he also doubled down in his conversations that both players need to perform at a level that's expected of their resumes and pay grades. Because right now, through 39 games, Jamie Ben has 30 points. He ranks 78th in league scoring. Tyler Sagan is slightly higher, 33 points. He's 60th in scoring. Now, this is, 30, this is not even halfway into the season. The Dallas Stars need to blame somebody. The Cowboys are playing great football, right? Texas Rangers, I think, had a decent season. They're always sort of seemed to be in the running. Uh, you're trying to get, you know, the Mavericks. Well, But anyway, you're, trying to, you're, you're, you're fighting for a piece of that entertainment dollar. And the two big stars that you signed are underperforming. Well, geez, welcome to the world of professional sports. The first time this has happened? But to say they're effing horseshit, it's just, you know, That's very, this, guy, uh, this, guy, this, this guy has got to learn a few things about treating human beings. And you just don't go off half-cocked like that. And you don't say stuff like that. You just don't do it. Trade the guy. Now their trade value's gone down. Here's a CEO saying that they're effing uh, horseshit. I mean, if I'm, if I'm looking to make a deal, I'm going, gee, I'd like to get Jamie Benn. I'll take that contract. Do I go, oh, wait a second now. Hmm. And if you're Jamie Benn and you're Tyler Sagan, do you take these comments in stride or do you ask for a trade? Or do you ask for an Uber drive uh, akin to the the Senators? So, yeah, this is like the second time this year that (laughs) hockey players have, uh, but it it wasn't them. They weren't the ones that were given, and even I think it was uh, Sagan said, look, I don't don't play for, or Jamie Benn said, "I, I don't play for Jim Lights. I play for the fans. I play for my teammates. So what do you do if you're one of these, or both of these guys? Stick it out? Because they're not going to, Jim Light's not going to step down as CEO, but they know how he feels about them. Yeah, I and think I'm sure everyone gotta, else kind of feels they're disappointed because they're not scoring, but come on. Chalk it up to some idiot uh, spewing off, and then I guess you got to keep plugging away. You got to keep going. That's it. That's yeah, all, that's I mean, all. I mean, yeah, I really. It. It's some, some, and if some I'm those two guys, I say, get me out of here. Off. Get me out of here. I want to go. I didn't sign up for this. Get me out. Trade me now. I don't want to play for this goofball. Because who knows what else he's going to say. I don't need my kids and my wife and my friends hearing this. Can you imagine, Mike? Oh, by the way, Mike, your boss just called. And he went out in the media to say, you're just doing a horseshit job. Hey, you really, it's all I can say about it. I can't think of any other way of putting it. It's that you're not worth the money we're paying you. Okay. <laughs> Line forms to the right. That's crazy. Um, oh, yeah, our trivia question. Oh, this is good. Did you like the trivia question today? It's tough. I've been thinking about it the whole episode. Uh, the trivia question is brought to you by Panthers Original Deli. It's a who am I question. I was born in Hamilton, Ontario, and set a record in three different pro leagues for most penalty minutes in a season by a goalie. And I was the last goalie in the NHL to play barefaced. Yes, without a mask. Who am I? I can tell you, honestly, I've been thinking about it this whole episode. I have no clue. Right. His nickname was Fearless because he was the last of the barefaced goalies. Last of the Red Hot Lovers. Also had the worst temper this side of Ron Hextall, this guy. I mean, think about this. You set a penalty record in three different pro leagues. Man, that's, you know, you got some kind of... Were you singing temper. Doug and the Slugs there? Was that Doug and the Slugs? What, what last of the Red Hot Fools? Is that Doug oh, and the Oh, uh, yeah. No, this is Last okay, of the Red okay, Hot Lovers. Doug it's Bennett? a book. Okay. Um, uh, he played for the 1973-74 Pittsburgh Penguins. His final game uh, was the last time an NHLer went maskless. In, uh, in a game. His name? Andy Brown. Oh, I never would have got Fearless. that. Fearless. Um, so listen to this. <clears throat> Here's your backstory on Andy Brown from Hamilton, Ontario. On March 30th, 1974, Brown was ejected from the Penguins' 4-3 loss in St. Louis. With 5-11 left in the game, Brown was given a penalty for holding Blues forward Ace Bailey. Since passed away, he died during the 9-11 uh, Garnett, yeah. yes. Garnett, Ace Bailey, yeah. So he was holding Ace Bailey and then was given a misconduct penalty plus a game misconduct for pushing referee Ron Wicks. Brown was finally restrained by his teammates. I can just picture this. There's no video. I can just picture him going, you so, and he's pushing the referee, and his teammates are trying to hold him back, right? They're just trying to, you know, Gary Unger. No, don't do it. Um, so anyway, uh, finally, as he's leaving, and the game is insane. Oh, sorry, he's playing for Pittsburgh, so it wouldn't have been Gary Unger when he's on the other team. So anyway, he, he, he's, he's now giving obscene gestures to the referee, Wicks, who's just kicked him out, and to the booing St. Louis crowd. So imagine, he's, he's, he holds the guy, he argues about it, gets a misconduct, and then he pushes the referee, and then his teammates restrain him as he's giving obscene gestures. I'm thinking the middle finger but he could have cupped his hand to his ear. <laughs> and I, in fact, that's where you cup that's your hand to your ear. Not that, acceptable. Yes, no, that's where you cup your hand to your ear. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm disgusted. Imagine this. You're getting, you're getting taken off the ice. You're being escorted off the ice. You've been kicked out of the game. Right? It's a bit of a WWF been, The fans move, right? are booing you. like it's, They're booing you like, no, tomorrow. You bum. They're throwing stuff. Programs. Galoshes. You cup your hand to your ear. I can't hear you. That is acceptable in that particular time. So anyway, he probably cupped his hand. I'll have to ask him if I ever speak to him. Uh, cupped his hand to his ear. Um, and um, there you go. So he leaves, and then Gary Innes finished the game for Pittsburgh. If you want to know who the backup goalie was, I was that curious. night. I was going to ask you. Who the backup goalie was that night, it was Gary Innes. So this guy, Brown, what's his first name again? Andy Brown. So Andy Brown is the last player in the NHL to, to not to to, go without a face mask as a goaltender. Uh, not just the NHL, but in pro hockey. That's a, I'm surprised that trivia question isn't more popular. Because, great. because he, after he left the Pittsburgh Penguins, because he recorded 60 penalty minutes that season, which was an NHL record at the time, okay, uh, as, and has been broken numerous times since by Ron Hextall. Of course. Um, so 60 minutes in penalties. So think about this, 1974, 60 minutes. What do you got to do to get 60 minutes in penalties? A few slashes, some holding, some misconduct. I don't, you know what? I'm trying to think if they, I don't believe there's a number of minutes given for a game misconduct. You get your 10 minutes credited to your numbers, but a game misconduct, I do not believe there's any number involved there. I don't know if you, you know if there's two minutes or ten minutes. I don't believe there is. Um, I'll have to check on that one. They're, they may have counted it years ago because I remember one where a guy got a, uh, a double minor, uh, 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 fighting, misconduct, and game misconduct, and had like 42 minutes in one game. So I, I don't know. Maybe the game misconduct's worth 20, and then 10 for the 10 is 30, and then 5, 35, uh, 37. That might be it. You have to check on that one. So anyway, yeah, Andy. So Andy Brown sets a record in the WHA. His first year in the WHA, 1974-75, 75 minutes in penalties. 75 minutes. And 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 before that, in 1970-71, he set the American Hockey League record with 73 minutes in penalties. Continued to play barefaced until the end of the 1976-77 season with the Indianapolis Racers of the WHA. Oh, Go, Gretzky's team. Go, well, Gretzky hadn't, <laughs> didn't join <laughs> them for another couple years. Um, and not for very long. But anyway, go go look up Andy Brown. Look at Google Images and check this dude out with the long hair and a huge gash in the side of his head. Huge gash in his forehead. Not a mask. It looks like a mask for a second. But it's not. It's just a gash. Didn't wear the mask. Would wear the mask in practice because his teammates would be shooting the puck all over the place with those curved sticks. But he couldn't wear it in a game. Or he didn't wear it in a game. So he's he's the last one. And that's, that's the story of Andy Brown, wow. the last... Of the bare-faced goalies. Wow. And there's a poem out there somewhere. <laughs> Someone wrote a poem, The Last of the Bare-Faced Goalies, which Doug I have not, Bennett, maybe. I've not been able to find it. And I don't it might have been about Gump Worsley. It might have been about Gump Worsley, who I think when he went to Minnesota, he started wearing a mask. He didn't never I don't think he ever wore one with when he was at the Habs. Anyway, the maskless goalie, there you go. And any of those of you who play goal or aspire to be a goaltender, imagine what it was like without a mask. No mask. And then it took, it took many years after that, um, no, actually about five years after that, before they put the helmet rule in, where you have to wear a helmet was mandatory. And they grandfathered that one in, so that Craig McTavish in the 90s was the last guy to, to go helmetless, and that looked stupid. And speaking of Brad Marsh, I think he Brad Marsh was one of the last ones, too. Exactly right. Um, all right. The newest members of the Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum will be announced January 22nd. We already know that Lee Smith and Harold Baines are in from the Veterans Committee. The You know, the, the they now have several other subcommittees where you don't have to get in via the ballot of the baseball writers. So the baseball writers uh, one, which is the big one, uh, the announcement's January 22nd. It's already a huge discussion point because we are getting the results on each ballot as they come in. Uh, and I'm going to refer you to on Twitter at not Mr. Tibbs, N-O-T-M-R-T-I-B-B-S. Not Mr. Tibbs is doing all the tracking. Uh, this is fabulous. He's got a spreadsheet, an Excel sheet, and everything like that. So after 33% of the ballots have been counted, here are your standings. Ready for this? I'm ready. 33% of the ballots. Mariano Rivera, 100% of the ballots. No brainer. This is only on 33%. Uh, Roy Halladay, 94.8% of the ballots. Good. Edgar Martinez in his last year of eligibility in this category. Uh, tenth year, 91.1% of the ballots. Mike Mussina, 83% of the ballots. Roger Clemens, 74.8% of the ballots. You need 75% wow. to get in. Wow. Barry Bonds, 74.1% of the ballots. Kurt Schilling, 726 And Larry Walker, 65.2%. Oh. So that's now. That's 33%. That's one-third of the ballots are in. It's a good sample size. Now, you can make projections on this. You know that Mariano Rivera is not going to be 100%. That's ridiculous, okay? That's crazy. 
So Mariana Rivera, uh, after doing incredible math and calculus and everything like that with projections and going uh, referring to many, many different uh, experts, uh, more expert who have more expertise in mathematics and uh, prognostications and uh, uh, annuities and all that stuff. And I, Mariana Rivera is projected to have 97.1% of the votes when it's all said and done, and he will get in. Roy Halladay is projected to have 91.5% of the votes. He's in. We knew this. Edgar Martinez is um, projected... Uh, to have 84.1% of the votes. He's going to get in. Mike Mussina, who I don't... Boy, this guy's yeah, on a bubble. You. I'm with you. Is projected to get 77% of the votes and will get in. Wow. wow. Roger Clemens is, is expected to get projected 67.8%. Barry Bonds, 67.1%. Uh, Kurt Schilling, 64.6%. And Larry Walker, 60.8%. So Clemens and Bonds will likely not get in this year. But they're trending upwards. Let's put it that way. They're trending upwards. And of, of the, all the guys who've been tainted by the steroid scandal, uh, those are the two that you look at as you could reasonably argue that without steroids, they'd both have Hall of Fame's career. Careers. Correct. Correct. The, the the most interesting part here, Mike, and I've you know since since it happened, since the steroids happened, I've I've changed my tune simply because I've been to the Baseball Hall of Fame since. You can't erase history. You can't tell all those people who were at those baseball games where McGuire, well, the McGuire-Sosa one was a weird one because baseball was complicit. Had baseball really wanted to do something about it, they could have. But baseball was more than happy to see a home run. And that's when all the fans started coming back. So they were complicit. And because of that, and because it's history, it's the baseball, it's the Cooperstown is Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. You can't take a part of history and just put it aside and say, um, you know, sorry, that was the steroid era. You can't do that. So I get that. So even though, as you say, both Bonds and Clemens, without the use of steroids, likely would have had the numbers to get in. And the only reason they did steroids is keeping up with the other people that did steroids. Um, uh, sadly, we're going to have to accept that fact. And the old guard are the ones, and I guess I'd be part of the old guard, even though I don't have a vote, of that, whoa, wait a second, these guys cheated. The only thing I think of is this. I know a lot of players, and I've spoken to many of them, who are clean and none of them believe that these two guys should be in the Hall of Fame because these guys played clean and those guys didn't play clean. So it didn't have anything to do with they were good. In fact, I think a lot of the guys that I spoke to were more like, you know, why, would, why didn't they just stay clean? Like, why did Bonds have to feel that he had to chase McGuire and Sosa? I think Bonds had 52 home runs the year that they had 70 and 66, something like that. And then he decided, or, you know, if he wasn't doing it already a little bit, he's thinking, well, I got to get going here now. I got I to gotta really pump up. And then his numbers were unbelievable in his 30s and the early 40s, ridiculously good. Yeah. So, you know, the, the way he broke the records and the, the incredible numbers that he had, he would have still hit home runs. He just wouldn't have hit them as far. But again, if you were clean and you looked across the, the locker room from you and said, well, this guy's dirty, but we're winning games. You know, that's a tough one there. So it looks like Clemens and Bonds, no, not this year, but probably if not 2020, 2021, um, the tide will turn and people will realize that they were, they, their, speech, their feats were spectacular. And along with many others who had been accused of uh, taking uh, um, illegal drugs, performance-enhancing drugs, maybe people will think differently. However, anyone that was caught with drugs after 2005, like Manny Ramirez, doesn't even get a sniff from me. Because, because by that time, they knew you're going to get tested. And they still tried to cheat the system. So that's sort of my, my look at that. Finally, remember all that nonsense in Ottawa about the senators not wanting to sell tickets to Leaf fans when the buds go to the nation's capital? That whole thing, because Leaf fans were making too much noise in Ottawa, and Ottawa season ticket holders were upset. Was it selling tickets or wearing jerseys? It was both. But the okay. selling of t- what they tried to do was, uh, someone found out, I guess there was a memo that was leaked, Saying, uh, do not, uh, you know, check the check the area code, and if it's a four one six or nine zero five or something, something to that effect. Uh, and they they honestly tried they they tried to get the secondary tickets go because what happened was, um, if you go through the box office or you have mail order, they have they can okay, can I have your credit card number, and then they check it against your area code, and then maybe they're not so fast to send you the tickets, right? But in the secondary market. You know, hey, listen, I need to get to StubHub or SeatGeek or any of these other ones, uh, Ticketmaster. Uh, yeah, you, you know, they shouldn't care. But if can the team, should the team be able to have a ticket policy that restricts um, where the ticket um, 
holders are from. Why where, not? Who they root for. Right. Who they root for. In other well, words, who they root for, if you're a Nashville yeah. season ticket holder, you're probably rooting for the Nashville Predators. But if, for example, let's just say for example, I'm going to use Nashville as an example because there's a really good tweet um, that, I, that I really should mention here from uh, Victoria Matiash. She said that her friend from Toronto tried to buy one ticket to the Rangers-Predators game on Saturday night and was refused because he is not from the television viewing area consisting of Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. Apparently, not apparently, the Nashville uh, Predators will only sell tickets to certain games uh, when certain teams come to town to these types of people. They will not. They will, they will not sell you a ticket if you're from somewhere else. This came about in the early days, I think it was, when Nashville and Chicago would play games in Nashville and six to 9,000 Chicago Blackhawk yeah. fans, some, many of whom lived in the Nashville area because there was no team in Nashville before that. And if you happen to be a hockey fan, Chicago was the closest uh, place. Now, what happened was Nashville would play these home games and these new hockey fans, these season ticket holders, would be sitting there right next to them, all these Chicago fans. <laughs> We'd be cheering for the Blackhawks and not for my national predators. Can you imagine if Buffalo did that with Toronto yeah. fans? So they, they went. There. That was a new <laughs> a new franchise. So they went. You know these people. You know they went. Well, we we're not sure we won't buy tickets anymore because we want to be cheering for Nashville. We don't want to be people cheering for the other teams. <laughs> and so the Nashville Predators decided. You know that's not a bad idea. We want to uh, we want to look after our our season ticket base, and. Um, if thousands of Blackhawk fans are going to just be able to walk in here and buy tickets in Nashville when the, the Hawks play, well, we've got to have to stop that because the Nashville fans, the quiet ones, the genteel ones, were drowned out by those noisy Chicago fans and complained about all the noise. Where are we? Are we playing a home game? Are we playing a visiting team? What's going on? So the Predators start restricting ticket sales when certain teams come to town. Oh, you're from the, uh, you know, you're from the, uh, the southern states? Great. You can buy tickets. Well, what's this? Your area code's 416. You're from... Nope. <laughs> so, um, Mike, are you okay with teams restricting ticket sales to people from outside uh, your viewing area? Yeah, it's a dink move, but I'm okay. Like, they reserve the right. Like, whatever they want. It's their, their loss, but uh, it's a bit of a dink move. It's have you too ever, bad they have to do that. Have you ever been to a game, a home game, cheering for your team, and you're drowned out by the fans of the visiting sure team. whenever the argos played the rough riders if i was at uh, the game it always felt like uh, more saskatchewan rough rider fans than argo fans now, i'm talking about the main sport oh the that's major, not a main sport about the major you're getting right now i'm talking about now <laughs> now have you ever been to a leaf game before where the buffalo fans are making more noise or the no, flyers no, fans no. are making more noise or whatever no 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 the city no and and if that was the case how would you react would you would you try to keep up for example for <laughs> yeah. example yeah you're playing baseball in oh let's say seattle washington Right. You're playing against the visiting team as the Toronto Blue Jays. You go, jeez, these Blue Jay fans come in here and they're just making all this noise and they're spending all this money in Seattle and their hotels and restaurants and bars and, and they're buying lots of concessions and they're filling up the stands. No, I don't think I want to allow these fans to come here because the Seattle fans feel intimidated. No, they don't. They, they, they'll, make, they, they'll try to make more noise. They'll try to outshout the Toronto fans. Right. They'll go back and forth. Let's go, Blue Jays. Let's go, Mariners. Let's go. Right? But in Nashville, no, we can't let those Chicago Blackhawk fans come in here. We can't do that. Ridiculous. Absurd. I would say this. I would find a way, like you, Mike, to ensure that you could not um, figure out where I was from. I'd have to find, I'd have to get a U.S. credit card or something like that and say, yeah, here's my credit card number. And, uh, you know, it would, it would have, you know, the area code you know, whatever Nashville's area code. It's not the six, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, and, and that way, you can't track. You shouldn't be able to track me. Where I come from has nothing to do with it. If I want to go to a Nashville Rangers game and buy one ticket, it, I shouldn't have to be, where are you from? Right. Let's see your passport. Right. Okay, I need some identification, address, all that stuff. Come on. I want to go to the game. I want to spend money on beer. I want to buy concessions. So what if I'm not rooting for Nashville? Or, or should it be the other way? Should if you're coming to an arena, you're only allowed to root no, for the no, home no. team. No, 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 that infringes on your right. No, but think, no, no. Wait a second. But wait a second. Yeah. Okay, if I'm, if I'm, you know, a diehard fan, and the guy next to me is rooting for the other team, do I not have the right to say, "Sit out and shut up"? Do I not? 
Um, You're in my, this is our <laughs> house. This is our house. You see these 19,500 people around? You see? Many of this fight attack you. started that way. I right. Believe. You got to have some kind of balls to go into a hostile environment and root for the opposing team. But to come to Toronto, it's almost a, oh, hi. Oh, you're rooting for Detroit? Oh, oh yeah, I've been to Detroit before. Come on. Oh, you got a Red Wings jersey and a Red Wing toque on? Come on. Sit down. I'll buy you a beer. That's what we're like here. Right. Come on. Oh, it's lovely to have you. Oh, I have a friend that's from Detroit. Yep. You go anywhere. Listen, I, was, I went with Rick Tockett's brother, Andy. We went to Madison Square Garden to watch the Rangers and the Flyers. Okay? Oh, yeah. Now, so Rick Tockett says, now, guys, don't openly root for us. Like, don't be wearing flyer jerseys and stuff like that. Dangerous. You know, just kind of, you know, and if, if I score the flyer, you know, just be careful. It's the Rangers. It's don't cup your ear. Yeah, for that. sure. Don't do that. <laughs> so if you go in there and you root for the opposing team, you, you might take your life into your hands. You better be with a bunch of friends who are tough. You better have a security force, not just you and your bud. They'll throw Couple. batteries at you. Oh, yeah, man. So, <laughs> But in Toronto, it's perfectly okay. Yes. I told you what happened. My dad once went to, to Montreal to the Forum rooting for the Leafs. Leafs score a goal. George Armstrong scores. Yeah. He goes, yeah! Gets a beer bottle in the back of the head. Oh, wow. Yep. That's, uh, or a whiskey <laughs> bottle in the back of the head. They were all glass in those days. Okay? Shut up. Tabernouche. Wow. English pig. Sit down. Right? Toronto. So that's what happens. So in Nashville, I guess they're worried about that. In Nashville, they don't want to have... Too many loud people cheering for the opposing team. Does it, it's not good for the Nashville players. Why is everybody cheering for the other team? Why aren't they cheering for us? Why? So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. From from now on, if you're going to purchase tickets to an out of town game somewhere else, and they want to know where you're from, just tell them you're from there. Just be careful. Cash only. Or else, won't be, or else, you know, I feel bad for this guy that tried to go to the game and he couldn't do it. A real shame. Anyway, that's it for our final show of 2018. Episode 64 of Hebsey on Sports. Boy, it's been a great year. What a great year. Yeah. Thanks, Toronto Mike, for production and inspiration. And don't forget, tell your friends and acquaintances about this show. Go to your podcast provider. uh, Write a nice little review for the show. Help us take on the big boys in the podcasting world. Mike, how do they do that? Like, how do you, you know, they, they want to. I want to write a review, but how do I do that? Depends on how you get it, but at iTunes, it's really easy, man. Five stars, and there's a place to put in uh, your comments. Just talk about how much you love Hebsy on Sports. That's all you got to do, and we will love you long time. Uh, also, my new book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, is out February 16th. However, you can pre-order via Chapters Indigo or Amazon, or just go to your local bookstore, shuffle on in there, and say, hey, can you order Mark Hebsher's book? That's right. It's called The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of. It's the story of George Washington Orton, the first Canadian to win an Olympic gold medal, but a man who was thought to be an American for 70 years. In fact, they had to take his medals away from the United States and give them to Canada to correct their mistake. But there's much, much more to the story, and I hope you get an opportunity to read it. So I want to wish all of you a very happy and prosperous 2019, and thanks so much for allowing us into your headspace. We're back with another episode of Hebsey on Sports very shortly. Until then, so long and Happy New Year.